Thanks for listening to the Campus Collective Podcast. As always, we pray that this resource is a helpful supplement for you as a follower of Jesus and as an active member in your local church. We love God's design for His church, and we believe that this resource could never substitute the incredible things that come from active involvement with a community of believers. Campus Collective is a ministry of Huntington Community Church. To learn more, visit our website at HuntingtonCommunityChurch.com. scripture, this is our call. The Great Commission is our call. To care for widows and orphans is our call. But there's another call that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, During our first panel practice, we wanted to come up with a term to help us differentiate between these two calls. Um, Because we didn't want one to seem more important than the other, we didn't want it to be confusing, so we came up with a new term. And we are going to refer to this next idea of a calling as our CGN calling. So we coined it here. So C stands for conviction. So this is when you're sitting in a church pew and the Lord allows something in the sermon to pierce your heart for missions or you hear of a foster parent speak about their experiences and you feel that tug in your spirit to do something about it. Um, And then the G stands for gifting. So this is where you consider if your strengths and abilities align with your convictions. And the N stands for need. Is there a need for what you're feeling led to? And can you step in and fill that need? So this CGN calling is is the more specific leading that we see in our lives. So for myself and my husband, Logan, our CGN calling was to become foster parents. And that has now shifted to become adoptive parents and navigating life with two crazy toddlers and leading them to know the Lord. So our CGN calling can change. But our first calling to know and love Jesus, that never changes. So you're going to get to hear from each of these wonderful panelists up here tonight about their overall calling, that call to follow and love Jesus. Um, And then you're going to hear about their CGN calling as well, that more specific mission that the Lord has placed on their heart in life. So while you're sitting in your seat tonight, listening to each of their stories, what we want you all to do is to consider what your calling might be tonight. The most important question that you can ask yourself is, do you already know the Lord? Do you not know the Lord? Or is he calling you to himself tonight? And if you do know the Lord, is he calling you to a specific CGN calling? Our encouragement to you today as you sit and listen, is to discern what it is the Lord is calling you to do. So while we are up here tonight, Dustin is going to put his phone number up on the screen. And once we are finished with the main um, bulk of our questions, we're going to do what we like to call rapid-fire questions. Um, And we want to kind of do this real time. So we want you all to text that number if you have any questions whatsoever. It can be as deep and profound as you want, or it can be lighthearted and kind of funny, but you might really want to know the answer to something. So anything, nothing's off limits. If we can get to it, then we will. So go ahead and text Dustin at any point during the panel if you have a question. So before we get started, I would like to introduce our panelists. Um, so I'm Cami, by the way. I also did not say that. Um, and it's, this is Lexi Duffy. She is a member of HCC, and she's also an intern here at Campus Collective. Um, this is Jay Lacani sitting beside of Lexi. He is one of our pastors here at HCC. 
Then we have Eric Brown. He is also a member of HCC and an intern here at Collective. And then we have Danny Rumpel, who is a church planning catalyst for the North American Mission Board. And he is also Joseph and Caleb Rumpel's dad and Lexi's soon-to-be father-in-law. So. <laughs> so just to kind of set the stage for you all to know what to expect. Um, so we choose the people who are on our panels with intentionality because we want you all to see a broad spectrum of what this um, what the questions are going to look like in different seasons and walks of life. Um, so for Danny and Jay, they've both walked through some different CGM callings. Um, they have had seasons where they're walking in one particular one and then have felt called to something else. Um, and then for Eric and Lexi, they are kind of in a place of preparing to live out the CGM calling they feel that the Lord has placed on their lives. Um, so just to kind of set that stage for you all, um, we have so much wisdom on this stage, um, and I just really hope that you all get so much out of this. We are so excited. Um, so our first question, so anyone can answer, what is your calling and how did you get there? So tell us why you're on the panel tonight. Um, I'll jump in first. So again, that I'm grateful for Cami making the, uh, the distinction of the primary call, and our primary call is to Jesus, to follow him, uh, to be his disciple, and that's each one of us are called to that. But then the idea of the, the CGN call and how for each one of us, there's a, a specific uh, thing that we will do in life. Uh, for me, I, I grew up in church. Uh, I got baptized when I was a kid. Some of y'all have heard this. I, my mom told me if I get baptized, I'll get a brown corduroy suit. So I got baptized and got my brown corduroy suit. Um, when I was 19, I realized that the Christian life wasn't about brown corduroy suits. And so I actually gave my life to Jesus, uh, was born again, and the Holy Spirit began to work in my heart. Uh, reading the word, being in Christian community, uh, like you guys, college was a phenomenal time to grow in my faith. And it was during that time that I began to get a real sense of my CGN call. So this idea of conviction, I can remember being at a uh, campus crusade, forgive me, I know we didn't have campus collective in HCC at, the, at my church. So, um, I was at a campus crusade, Christmas conference, and there was a video of, of missionaries from uh, early on up until the modern movement of missionaries. And I remember seeing that and, and being strongly convicted and moved that God would possibly send me to the nations. And I can remember uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 uh, was the Bible verse at the end of that. It says, therefore, my dear brothers... Stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I felt the conviction that that's what God was calling me to. So I began to pursue that and see what it would look like to go overseas uh, and really asking the questions, am I gifted to do that? Part of that gifting was also being affirmed by the local church that I was a, a part of. And folks there said, yeah, I see that. I can see you being a part of going to the nations. Um, and then the question of need. 
there's still thousands of unreached people groups. Um, with need, there's also willingness. It's easy to be, I feel like, convicted. It's easy to feel like to have giftings. But then as the need and opportunity is there, is, okay, am I really willing to go and do this? So uh, my family and I spent 16 years overseas. That was a, a specific CGN call that God had on our lives. And then that changed, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But we uh, ended up coming back to the States in uh, 2012, and God has called us specifically to do a similar work here in West Virginia as a church planting catalyst. I help guys plant churches around the state. So uh, that's what God's done with us. Anybody can take it. <laughs> if you don't volunteer, okay. I'll call on you. <laughs> um, like Cammie said, I'm Eric. Um, so... I became a Christian. I made a profession of faith whenever I was about six years old. Um, I was in the basement with my mom right after we finished my homeschool lesson. And I remember her sharing the gospel with me, and I remember believing it. Um, between six and 15, I wasn't very faithful, I wouldn't say. Um, I remember knowing that to become a Christian, it involves repenting from your sins and then putting your faith in Jesus, but I didn't realize that um, repentance is something that you have to do over and over again in, your, in the Christian life, um, like denying yourself every day and picking up your cross and following Jesus, like putting off the old self and putting on the new. Um, so because of that, it led me to not fight my sin very well. Um, that changed um, on March 26, 2017, when one of my friends who I was going to invite to church the night before, um, March 26th was a Sunday. Um, Saturday night I was planning on inviting him to church and I got distracted and I ended up not inviting him. And then the next day I went to church, went through the motions, didn't pay attention. Um, then after church, went to play basketball and at basketball saw one of my friends on the sideline and he was upset and I asked him what was wrong. And he said um, that Cameron just committed suicide. So Cameron was the friend that I was going to invite to church the night before. Um, and when that happened, God used that to just open my eyes to the reality that life isn't guaranteed. Um, and that life is serious, that death is real. Um, that everyone I see will die unless God is gracious to them or Christ comes back and that I will die too. Um, so because of that, God put an urgency in my heart that the gospel needs to be shared and needs to be lived out by me. Um, so that's like when, so I, that's kind of how my, how I became serious about my relationship with the Lord. Um, but the reason why I'm on this panel specifically um, is because uh, Claire and I, my wife, long-term would like to be missionaries. That's our goal. That's our plan. And the way that happened for me um, was it was a Wednesday. I think it was February 27th. And I was at D group. It was at 2 o'clock. And we were reading Romans 2. <laughs> what? 
It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Um, We were reading Romans 2, and we were just in a circle. We were just reading our Bible, normal, and we were reading Romans 2, and we got to Romans 2.12, and it said, for for those who sin apart from the law will perish apart from the law, and those who sin according to the law will be judged by the law. Um, And I remember reading it and being really confused. Well, not necessarily confused, but like, did that really just say that? And I was thinking, wait a second. So, okay, what does parrot? So, people who sin apart from the law, so they don't know what's wrong, they still sin, they perish apart from the law. But those who sin according to the law will be judged by the law. So they still sin, and they're judged by it. But the people who don't have the law perish apart from it. So it made me think, okay, now I need to know what perish means. So whenever I look, whenever you look at other places in the Bible where it uses the word perish, for example, John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world um, that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So there's perish and there's everlasting life. So perish must be the antonym of everlasting life. So reading that verse, it like led me down a path of question and answers of, like the typical question, what happens to the good person in the jungle or the woods um, who's all alone and doesn't have any access to the gospel? What happens when they die? Um, And through a lot of questions and answers and wrestling and um, it, I believe the Bible is clear that it teaches that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So that's everybody except for one, Jesus. Um, but every person in the world sins. And the Bible is also clear that the wages of sin is death. Um, but the free gift of God is righteousness in Jesus Christ. I think that's what that says. Um, but everyone sins. Sin deserves death forever. And then it also says that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Um, so through those questions and answers, it, I came to the realization that the Bible teaches that those who don't hear the gospel don't have a chance to go to heaven unless someone shares it with them. Um, and a really clear biblical example um, of that is the, just the Great Commission in general, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, where it says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, If you think about it, if people could get to heaven, could be reunited with God, and could be forgiven from their sins without being told the gospel, then God wouldn't have commanded us to do it. Um, So... Coming to that realization and realizing that, it really broke my heart for the people who don't have the opportunity, like I did, um, to hear the gospel every day, being a Christian home. Um, and it made me, I, since then I just had this like constrained desire of wanting to go and do something. Like if I'm capable of doing it, why shouldn't I? Um, 
So since then, I've been, that was two years ago, a little more than two years ago in February. Um, and I've, since then, I've just been plugging myself in the local church and really testing the waters, trying to see, like, am I equipped to do this? Because um, in First Timothy 3, there's, like, the qualifications for elders and, and deacons and, uh, you know, missionary roles, like being an elder. Like, I'm planning a church, so I'm leading that church. So at the beginning, it says, um, if anyone aspires to the position of overseer, let him, you know, then it lists a bunch of these qualities. So if you think about it, just because somebody has the desire to do some, to be an elder doesn't mean they automatically will be because they have to have those qualities, um, which are judged by the church. So the calling is both internal and external. Like, just because you want to do something doesn't mean you actually should. So we can talk about that more later. But, um, yeah, since then, just been plugging the local church, really seeing if I'm equipped to do this, and haven't had any red flags yet. <laughs> so. Great. Thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, so my primary calling um, is to be a believer um, and follower of Jesus and to make disciples. Um, I, um, kind of similar stories, I grew up in a Christian home and was saved at a young age, um, but I, towards the end of high school, um, the Lord just really got a hold of my heart and showed me um, just how the things of the world will fail me, um, but that the only true joy and peace is found in Him alone. And um, as I came to college, I got plugged into HCC here, and um, I think the that was the beginning of kind of where um, I really learned what it meant to be a follower of Christ, um, to make disciples, and to be a faithful church member. So um, I guess my CGN calling, kind of why I'm up here, um, this past summer, I spent two months in South Asia um, sharing the gospel um, with women, and um, I believe that I am being called to go back overseas in the future. Um, I think how I got there um, was my freshman year of college. Um, I'm a senior now, so this was three years ago. Um, my freshman year... Um, I think it was towards the end of fall semester, um, an organization had come to visit HCC called the Traveling Team, and um, they basically were kind of just like educating us on unreached people groups, um, and that was the first time that I had kind of really heard about um, unreached people, um, and was like made aware of the fact that there are um, just tons and tons of groups of people around the world who have never heard the name of Jesus, don't have access, don't have a Bible in their language, they have no way of hearing the gospel. Um, and they specifically taught us about the 1040 window, which if y'all don't know, um, it's like the geographic coordinates of um, North Africa and South Asia in the Middle East is what makes up a large portion of that. Um, and that is where... Um, 
about like 98% of unreached people live, but only about like two or 3% of missions resources are actually sent there. Um, and so upon learning about all that information, um, I was just devastated to learn about that. And um, at that point I saw the need um, where we get the N in the CG, CGN calling. Um, I saw the need, but I didn't have the desire at that point in time. I was really scared. Um, like I knew that there were people that needed to go, but I never thought that it would be me. Um, so for the next two years after that, um, I just prayed about it. And um, I was like, Lord, like I see um, the need, but I don't feel the desire to go. So like if you want me to go, then I need you to change my heart. Um, and I need you to make me want to go because I, in my own simple heart, don't want to go. Um, but I saw, yeah, I just saw the, um, the severity of it. And so um, over those two years, as I um, prayed about it and I continued to just um, plug into HCC, um, I think just having different conversations with people at our church um, and going to different conferences. Um, yeah, the Lord just grew my heart um, for going overseas. And um, last October, um, about a year ago, um, I um, was in contact with uh, someone who worked for the International Mission Board and um, he was telling me about some different opportunities for summer trips. And so I thought I would check it out. And um, from there, I started the process to apply to go overseas. And yeah, um, the, I was over in South Asia for two months this summer. And um, he, I, well, my future husband, Caleb, and I will, um, are planning to go back overseas in the future. When, in response to the question, what is your calling and how did you get there? I think really, um, Cammy, what you said was just spot on um, to start us out because if we get that first question right about what our calling is in relation to the Lord, I feel that everything else just kind of works itself out naturally. Um, I was reading today to prepare for this time and looking at all the letters that Paul wrote he wrote like 12 letters, and every single letter, the way that he talks about himself when he introduces himself was uh, either one of two things. So in Romans, he said that he was a servant, Paul, servant, literally slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. So he actually used both of those terms in Romans. In Corinth, he introduced himself as an apostle, which means literally one who is sent off. Galatians and Ephesians, he's an apostle. In Philippians, he's, he refers to himself as a servant. In Colossians, he refers to himself as an apostle. In Timothy and Titus, I mean, these are people that he knows. They're his friends. He could have just said, hey, I'm, you know, Paul here, your buddy. But he says, no, I'm Paul. Uh, he says to Timothy, I'm an apostle. Uh, to Titus, he says, I'm a servant. And my point with thinking through that with us is that Paul never introduced himself by his earthly work, by his earthly job. 
And we learn in Acts 18 that Paul actually made tents. That was his job. He didn't say, hey, and Paul, you know, the tent maker uh, from Paul's pop-up tent shop, you know, <laughs> I, I made your tent last week, and I'm here to write you a letter. Because that didn't matter to him, really. That was, that was what he did. That was a natural outworking of who he was. And I think that when you and I spend our time focused on who we are becoming through a personal relationship with the Lord, then what we do will, will, will be much, much easier. And those decisions that you make about what you do, they'll, they'll be, let me say, they may not be easy, but they'll be more clear, okay? Because um, being a follower of Jesus for Paul was where it started and ended. That's who he was, and that's what I want to encourage us tonight. That's who you are. If you are a believer tonight, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you're a child of God, and that's enough. You don't have to be anything else. Um, and then everything that you and I do on a day-to-day basis, uh, as mentioned, is just an outworking of that relationship. So for me, in this season of life, I am a husband of, of Kate. I'm a father of some wild little kids, if you've met them before. I'm a son. Um, I, I, I serve at our, our church and as in a community group. Um, and uh, I'm a physician at the hospital. But none of those jobs or none of those uh, titles or relationships are, are really our calling. As And I think, Candy, you said that really, really well. And I just want to underscore that as a point of emphasis, um, because you really can't get that enough. Um, those things serve only as a means by which our calling as disciples is lived out. Okay, so, yeah, those are the things that I do, but for each of those relationships or each of those responsibilities, I live those out as a disciple. Um, it is, I'm a disciple who does this, I'm a disciple who does that. And so that's just kind of the way I think about it. And so when you think about your um, CGN calling, it doesn't have to be very difficult to think through that exactly. It doesn't have to be we're waiting for something um, to show up in the clouds to write it out for us. It doesn't have to be a special, you know, maybe someone else's experience. You're waiting on that to be your experience. It doesn't really have to be like that. Um, it just has to be you and God working it out together in the context of relationship. So our second question, um, I'm going to kind of give like a, a summary of it and then ask if you all have any other question or anything else to add so that we can get to our other questions tonight. Um, so the second question was, um, what does it look like to be called by Christ first? And then what does it look like in your life to pursue this primary calling? So I think each of the panelists kind of touched on this. Like we have these two callings in our lives. And this primary calling of um, being called by Christ, what does that look like? I mean, Eric spoke to that specifically in his life. Lexi spoke to that specifically in her life. Um, whether you have grown up in a Christian home or you haven't, um, that call on your life is the spirit moving in your heart, um, God calling you to himself um, and urging you to um, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him, um, and to confess that Jesus is Lord. And that is that primary calling that we are um, 
in the, I want to reread this scripture that I had um, from Romans 8, um, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So this process, which it's really a process, the call that we have from the Lord, it's not just a one-time call, a one-and-done kind of thing. It's something that is continual throughout our entire lives. So we are called by the Lord. He um, chose us. He, sanct- he justified us, and we are continually being sanctified. We are continually chasing after him, following him, um, becoming more like him. And that is that primary calling in our lives. What it looks like, it's, I mean, it can be, it can sound so complicated, but really it's so simple. And um, I think what we wanted to touch on, like, tonight is, um, like, open your Bible. Like, open your Bible and, like, see what the Lord has for you there. Um, I think so often we wait for, like Jay said, some cosmic something to happen, the, the shape of a cloud to be the face of your future husband. I don't know, but like, it's not that complicated. Like the Lord has everything he wants for us in scripture. Um, our calling is clear and he has already laid it out for us. His will is within the pages of our Bibles. Um, and so just seeking after the Lord in scripture, um, praying, having a vibrant prayer life, um, just constantly being in prayer and in conversation with the Lord and being plugged into a local church. Um, we had mentioned that earlier too. It is incredibly important to be plugged into a local community of believers. Um, We are not meant to be living out this calling um, that the Lord has on our lives on our own. Um, You will not be thriving and be a productive disciple of the Lord if you are not plugged into community. Um, So I think those are really the three big things that we wanted to mention about like what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. That is our primary calling. Um, And these are just some practical things like this is what it looks like to live out that calling. Do you guys have anything else to add to that? I've made every possible mistake that you could make um, and more uh, because I've thought that, okay, God was telling me to do this. I'm driving down the road and I think, wow, you know, I just I just felt this. You know, God must be telling me to do this. And then after a little bit of time and a little bit of thought, actually, turns out, you know, this is not actually the right thing that I'm supposed to be doing or or I'm going to, you know, marry this person. And now it's now very clear that. But that was not the person that I was supposed to marry and not the person I'm married to. So I can tell you that uh, a lot of things that, that come to mind when this uh, question is raised that I want to tell you, we make it really, really hard when it's actually very, very simple. It is about a relationship, a relationship with God, a relationship between you and him that no one else can have for you, um, that no one else can um, can uh, can take their experience and say, this is what you have to experience. There are certain common features, though, that all of us will experience as children of God, and I wanted to share those things with you in the context of a personal relationship. We have to, like Cammie said, we have to spend time in the Word. We have to immerse ourselves in Scripture because this is the way that we know the heart of our Father. We have to spend time by ourselves 
in prayer. We have to sit in a room with the noise out and pray and talk to God and expect that in some way he will help us through his word understand the questions that we're, we're facing. We have to check in with him. This is something that I'm, I try to do, to check in with him daily about, is there sin in my life? You know, Lord, is there an area right now that I've sinned against you that I need to make right? Is there sin between me and somebody else that I need to go and confess this? Because sin in our heart is one quick way to short-circuit the work of God in our lives. We need to remind ourselves through the day that it's not just a wake up in the morning and pray. It's a walk with God through the day. His presence goes with us through the day. This is the experience that the disciples experienced day by day when they walked with Jesus. And really, this is what our experience can be as well as we walk with him and experience him through the day. We have to, two more things, just capture those thoughts because as we're trying to walk with God, as we're trying to live out our life for him, all of us are wrestling inside with what goes on in here. Anxiety, fears, lies from ourself and from the world and from the enemy. And we have to capture those thoughts before they start taking us off in directions that we don't want to go. And the last thing I'll say is the focus of this relationship is that we learn to love him. Okay? I could be a really, really good servant of God. I could get my checklist every day and figure out, okay, God, this is what I need to do today. This is what you want me to do today. But that's not what this relationship is about. This relationship is about love. It's about me dying to myself and learning to love a person, and, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so each day or each week, I try to reflect on what I gave you, those, those things that I've, I've defined, like this is our, our, what relationships and responsibilities that I have. And so for me, to pursue that calling is to think through those each week and think, okay, what does it look like to live as a disciple in terms of those relationships? Or even better, if I thought, how would Jesus, if he were in my shoes, how would he live out? being a husband to Kate? How would he live out being a dad to my kids? Um, and so that's specifically how I think when we spend time with him, we begin to think in his presence with our, with our Bibles open and allow his Holy Spirit to work in our individual lives. Oh, no, no, you're good. No, Dave, do not be sorry. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. No, we appreciate all of that. That was perfect. All right, guys, how has Scripture impacted your decision-making process in living out your callings, both your primary calling and your CGM calling? I like this question because, and Jay, we've, We've all talked about this, Jay, you spoke to us, that without God's word, we don't really know anything about God's plan. And so I think one of the things that we can make a mistake with, if we're not careful, is we'll say, oh, what's God's plan for my life? Has anybody ever asked that question? Right? It's like, what's God's plan for my life? I want to know about my life. And if we're not careful, we make it more about my life. And I think the better question is to say, well, what's God's plan? Just what is God's plan? What is God doing? What is God calling his people to do? And so really how has scripture impacted the decision-making process? Like reading through the book and saying, what's God doing? I remember reading through Genesis 12 as an example. Um, God calling Abraham. 
And he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. The nations that bless you, I'm going to bless them. The nations that curse you, I'm going to curse them. And then he says this. He says, all of the nations on earth are going to be blessed through you. And as I begin to understand that text more and the promise that God's making, it's like, wow, God's plan, his purpose, he wants to bless all of the nations. So I look at, if I can somehow be a part of blessing the nations, what does that look like? Maybe it means praying for the nations. I think it's God's will for my life that I pray for the nations. Maybe it's I'm helping support a missionary. Okay, if, if I'm involved in supporting missionaries so that they can go, wow, that, that's part of God's call for my life. It's, again, it's not complicated. Or maybe God would call me specifically to go. So just understanding his, his word and his plan for the world helps me see ways that I can just, all kinds of ways I can plug in. So that being an example. I've got some I can share, but I don't want to. Joseph told me to dominate the time, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'll share one. Um, I specifically remember when Beth and I were engaged, being extremely anxious about that. Is this what God wants for me? And, and I, I, was, I got so anxious at times. Now, there's some family of origin issues. I'm not going to go into all of my psychological problems, um, mental issues. But um, <clears throat> the, I, was, I was nervous, even to the point of almost panic attack. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, God brought me to these verses and said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So really, the words call me to trust God. Don't lean on what I'm thinking or feeling or my own understanding. But I, I follow after him and he's going to direct my path. So I was constantly praying that verse. Even though I felt like I was scared, anxious, nervous. God, is this really what you want? In my heart, I knew it was, so I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. And like Jay said, I'm not going to believe the lies. I really believe that Satan was lying to me, telling me not to get married to Beth. Um, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to not lean on my understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him, and I'm going to trust that he'll direct my path. So that scripture really, God used that to help me work through those anxieties and get married to the person that um, I'm grateful to have been married to for the last 27 years. <laughs> I won't, I'll keep this to 60 seconds. So um, I think Romans 12, 2 really hits it on the head for me. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think the way we renew our mind is we immerse ourselves in the Word of God and we spend time with God. So we renew our mind. We, our mind is reshaped by the Holy Spirit. It is reshaped by truth. And as a result of that, then we are able to go on and do what the verse says, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So in order for us, I think, to make wise decisions, we have a mind that's renewed and shaped by God's word. 
and we seek his wisdom. James said, if any of us lack wisdom, let's ask of God, who gives to all of us liberally, who will ask. Now, there's a whole book of the Bible, Proverbs, dedicated to wisdom. God wants us to operate in wisdom that's rooted in his word. I think for me, um, a verse that I've kind of been, that I kind of cling to whenever um, I think about decisions I'm about to make is 1 Corinthians 10, 31, where it says, whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Um, All means all. So... And he gives like clear examples, plain examples, the most mundane, plain, whether you're eating, like whether I'm at Taco Bell eating a taco, or whether I'm drinking, like I'm in my apartment with a cup of water, whether I'm drinking or anything else, I do all of it for God's glory. So keeping that in mind, it's helped me um, really... I don't know, think more intentionally about it, all of my actions. Like, am I going to class for the glory of God? Am I paying attention to my professor to the glory of God? Am I doing my assignment well to the glory of God? Am I, I don't know, doing the dishes to the glory of God? Um, but all of that isn't just to be like some sort of slave for the sake of being a slave like Jay was talking about. It's about love. Like, we do it out of a heart that adores God because he loves us. Um, Like, remembering the gospel, how in the beginning God created everything in the world and it was good. And then, like, the top of his creation, the, the crown was us. And then shortly after we were created, we rebelled against God and sinned against him. And the Bible's clear that everyone in the world sins. Like, sin is pervasive in everything. Um, Sin earns death, and everyone does it. So without any help from the outside, we're we're all doomed. Like, we deserve to be punished for our sin. Um, That's the bad news. But then God sent Jesus in the midst of our sin to become a man and live a sinless life, and at the end of his sinless life, die a sinner's death in our place, and then rise from the dead. And he did it for us in our sin. And it's like, man, how can you not, like, live in response to that? Like, how can you not just love God after he did something like that for you whenever your sin's that bad? So... Yeah. I think um, I was trying to think about passages that like summarized like how how do I pursue the primary calling in my life. Um, but I was trying to think about that today, and I was reading in Colossians three, um, verses twelve through seventeen, and I think I kind of saw like the general themes in that passage were um, that the lives of believers, um, we should display the fruits of the spirit, we should be unified with the church by forgiving one another, um, 
the word should dwell in us and we should do everything to his glory. And I think um, something that has like helped me pursue my primary calling with that is when I'm reading passages, um, the commands that are given to us in the scripture should be turned into reflective questions that we ask ourselves about our lives. Um, like, is the decision that I'm making going to help me display the fruits of the Spirit? Um, is this decision um, something that is going to be unifying for me with other believers? Um, am I, like, is the word dwelling in me when I'm making this decision? Um, and then I think for the CGN calling, um, a verse that um, has stood out to me. I have it posted on the mirror in my room. Um, Psalm 32, 8 says, um, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Um, and I think that's just been comforting to me in all times of my life. Um, that like, if I am walking in the word and I'm being obedient to what the Lord has told me to do as a follower of Christ, um, then, like, he's going to guide my paths, and there's not, like, a decision that I can make that is going to throw off the Lord and his sovereignty, um, and I think that's a reoccurring theme, kind of with what Danny was talking about, not leaning on our own understanding. Um, if we are walking in wisdom and seeking the Lord above all else, then he is going to direct our paths for us. All right, so this is our last main question before we get to our rapid fire. Um, and I love this question. It's just kind of bringing it back down and just getting really practical. Um, so what questions would you encourage a college student to ask themselves as they make decisions about the course of their life? Three questions. Um in, in the sense they're all related. One is, I would ask myself consistently, am I developing a biblical worldview? The, the world around us is going to have us think a certain way, and if it's the world that's thinking that way, it's by definition not the way that God would have us. So am I, am I developing a biblical worldview? Um, am I in the Word? We've talked about that. The other one is this, am I too uh, me-centered? Is my life all about me, or am I really pursuing Jesus, love God, love others, and finding ways to serve, uh, or am I just being me-centered? And then the third one is this. Um, there's three areas I, I feel like are a place where we need to have a strong focus, and it's this. Am I in the Word? Uh, am I walking in the Spirit? And am I actively a member of the community of believers? So as I've watched my, my kids begin to launch out of the house, the thing I've begun to pray for them is this three-legged stool of word, spirit, and community. Uh, do I have those three things strongly focused in my life? Okay, I'll go. <laughs> um... My question would be, how are my closest friends, the people I'm surrounding myself with, 
um, my significant other, how are they pushing me towards the Lord? And if they're not, then what changes do I need to make? Um, and then also, do I have daily habits that are making me look more like Jesus? Or um, on the flip side, do I have daily habits that are causing me to stumble and sin? Um, so my question for us and for me is um, we're all in college, and we all came to college for a degree, presumably, and those degrees are to get jobs. So thinking about the next 40 years or so, however many, of your life, and the job that you're going to have, and the money that you're hoping to make, um, your plans. Um, if God were to take all of it away, all of it, and you were to only have him, would you still love him? Looking to the future, it's like, who, who's your treasure, you know? Is it God or money? <laughs> you can't love both. You can only serve one. That's a good word. Thank you. Um, the questions that I want you to consider, want me to consider every day is, does my life still belong to me or does it belong to Jesus? Because a, a disciple or a follower isn't the one calling the shots. Right? It's the master who calls the shots, and we, we go his way. We follow him. Second question, is there any unconfessed sin or idols in my life right now? Things like bitterness or unforgiveness, they will prevent me from connecting with God. And, and we don't want those things in our life. Um, and then the last question is, am I taking the time to daily grow uh, in my relationship with the Lord, and you know what does that look like? Because I, I I would say this just to really pound this point home that the Scripture is the primary means by which God communicates His will to His children. And if I'm not spending time with Him, then I'm going to be lost to my own thoughts. And so those are the three things that came to mind for me. Anything else to add before we move on to rapid fire? Any last thoughts? All right. First rapid fire question. Do I need to break up with my boyfriend or girlfriend? <laughs> I know at least one that doesn't need to. <laughs> but maybe some others do. <laughs> many things regarding this question. I think those are the guardrails that help us to know how to, where to go. And, you know, is this person that you're with a believer? That's huge. I mean, there's a, that's a no-brainer. I would absolutely say, yes, you need to break up with that person if they're not a believer. But more than that, are you walking alongside that person in a way that spurs you both on to Christ? That's a big question that I think actually takes a lot more thought than just, yeah, I mean, it, you really need to think about 
that? Is this a person that, because of this person, being with this person, you are moving closer to your Lord or not? What role do feelings play in discerning your calling? So we we talked a little bit about this. I I this I saw this in a uh, a little tract I read whenever I was in college. It was it helped shape my thinking. Uh, I saw a train that had a like a car in the front, the engine, the coal car, and then the caboose. And feelings were written across the side of the caboose, and then faith was written on the engine. And then facts was written on the coal car. And so really, feelings are a part of our lives. There's no denying that. And we shouldn't try to deny our feelings necessarily. But we can't let our feelings drive the train. Does that make sense? So that they're there and they're being pulled along at different times. But it's really faith and facts that drive us to, to walk with God uh, and, and into that primary call and even our CGN call. Feelings are there. Uh, don't let them dominate. If they begin to drive the train, we've got problems. All right. Can I get out of the will of God? I think yes and no. Um, Obviously, it's not God's will for us to sin, but we still do that. But also, God is sovereign. And that's true, too. (laughs) So, yes and no. All right. (laughs) Lexi's going to elaborate. (laughs) I'm going to say that if you are being obedient to the Lord and you know that you are walking um, according to what the Bible has commanded of you, then no, you cannot get out of the will of God. I think that kind of goes with the whole, like, I know personally, like, I've been faced with big decisions, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, which job do I choose to be within the will of God? And, like, that's not how it works. Like, the scripture that Eric shared about, like, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Like, whatever you choose, whatever vocation you end up doing, like, you can do it for the glory of God. So, like, I think that that's a really great thing to like remember is like it's not about like what job you choose obviously the lord can lead you in that but it's not like you choose one thing and all of a sudden you're out of the will of god and your life is ruined (laughs) okay um this one's a little bit more deep is everything part of god's plan saying no to that in the sense that sin is not part of his plan for our lives although we are all sinners and we will sin it it does it can i believe our sin can disqualify us from um from certain things that's i believe that's clear through scripture and the example that came to mind when a similar question came up or um maybe prepared was um reuben who was the son of of Jacob, who was the firstborn, who would have been the one who 
receive the birthright and the blessing, but because of his sin, derailed himself from receiving that. Now, God's plan, and we know the sovereignty of God works on a level far above this, so I'm not saying we're thwarting what God knows and how he ultimately can operate, but I'm just saying that we, I believe we can disqualify ourselves from his best when we choose to sin against him. Does God care where I eat lunch? (laughs) Zeke thought that was very funny. (laughs) 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 That's all, just yes. (laughs) There are some places you should not go (laughs) to eat lunch. (laughs) perhaps Taco Bell is not the greatest choice <laughs> every single day <laughs> we're just leaving it at that alright um, okay so, first question that was texted in. Um, okay, it's up here. What is the proper attitude to have towards some of my major convictions or giftings that I feel are inferior because they don't deal explicitly with church ministry? I don't think the Bible teaches that there are inferior giftings. So Paul in Corinth and other places, he talks about the body of Christ. And just because I'm not this part of the body doesn't mean I'm not important or that another part of the body is more important. And so I I think that if we perceive our giftings to be inferior then that's probably us believing a lie when God says, in fact, that it all works together for his good, for his glory, and and for our good also as members of the body together. Each part doing, each each member doing its part. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 12. (laughs) Sorry. Alexa, I want you to go. But I, I, I think what happens sometimes <laughs> is we think, oh, the person that speaks on the stage is the most important one. And that's just not true. Um, I was going to say, if you have been at HCC for any amount of time, um, you've heard us say that your ministry is where you work, live, and play. Um, and I think that wherever you are, whatever you're doing during the day, like that is your ministry at that given moment and um, like people can know Christ by the way that you love them and by the way that you serve them even if that is outside of church ministry yeah yeah I think of this like in my own life like literally right now like my calling is to like wipe snotty noses and like try desperately to like preach the gospel to a three-year-old who has the attention span of a squirrel so like (laughs) 
there is no calling that is inferior, like they said. Like it's it's all in the season. So. Part of it is the identity thing that we've talked a little bit about. So where is our identity? Is our identity in what we're doing or what other people are seeing us do? That's a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and if we want to talk about, quote, unquote, inferior calling, Jesus wrapped a towel around his waist and took a bowl of water and went and washed his disciples' feet as the ultimate show of being a servant, yeah. being that one that... It's not at the top of the pile. Okay. I'll look here for the next one. Um, oh, I have something never else mind. No, go for it, Eric. Um, and going back to Danny's point about the people on stage aren't, like, better. They're not. That's just, like, a role that they have in the church. Um, Ephesians 4 says the reason why God put teachers and preachers and shepherds and stuff in place. It says, um, Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, the pastor's jobs and the people that you see on stage that are teaching and stuff, they're, they're not the only ones who are able to do ministry. Their job is to equip everyone they're talking to, everyone in the sound of their voice, for the ministry. Okay, next question. This kind of goes along with the uh, saying, your future husband's face in the sky. Um, should I look for a mystical sign when searching for God's will? The example that they gave was, if I hit all the green lights going down Fifth Avenue, which is a miracle in and of itself, does that mean that the girl I like will say yes? <laughs> Resort to some of these things because it's easier in some ways than a relationship with God. We want, it would be a lot easier if God would just, you know, put it out there, you know, in some way like that. But the hard work of a relationship is what is necessary for us to discern the will of God and, and not, definitely not, those, we should not rely on mystical period. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Next one. How do you all practically practice spiritual disciplines in each different season of life? with the various responsibilities that come with them, specifically speaking to Bible reading, study, prayer, and ministry. It's difficult. I think we. it's difficult. Uh, anybody ever start the Bible reading plan at the beginning of the year, and then by, like, February 1st, you're just swamped. Um, but finding time... And you, you just, you have to set aside time to spend with God um, in the word and in prayer. And I would say this, don't set unrealistic expectations where it's like, okay, I have, I've been struggling with my Bible reading, so I'm going to read, a, I'm gonna read a, a book a day. That's probably not going to happen. Um, read a verse a day. Read two verses a day. Find something that, that works 
Uh, and I'm not trying to make it like the least common denominator, but uh, if you can, it's, it's kind of like exercise. The hardest part is just getting started. Does that make sense? So I'm going to exercise 45 minutes a day. No, just exercise five minutes a day. Well, if you do five, you might as well do 15. Uh, I'm just going to read a Bible verse every day. I'm going to pray a little bit every day and let God grow that. Um, I would say getting accountability as well for spiritual disciplines. Um, something that has been essential for me throughout college is a discipleship group. Um, right now, me and my D group, we just text a little Bible emoji in our group chat every day. If you've read your Bible, you send the Bible emoji, and then um, then we can kind of, like, at the end of the week, we can, like, encourage one another, and, like, we know, like, who, you know, who needs extra encouragement for that week, like, to read their Bible and to pray more, and, um, yeah, accountability is huge. For me, the way I do it practically, um, like Dana was saying, you have to set aside, set aside time um, to do it. Um, I've said that word a lot. Um, I'm done. I'm not saying it anymore. In Matthew 4, whenever Jesus is about, it, Jesus is going to the wilderness, Satan's going to tempt him. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's really hungry. And Satan says, like, hey, you're God. Just turn that rock into bread. And then the way Jesus responds is he quotes um, something that God said in the book of Deuteronomy. And he said, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, so when you think about that, our bodies need food. Um, the more active we are, the more food we need. You know, people typically eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, but, so... Jesus says, man can't live by bread alone. So we can't live by bread by itself, by food by itself. But, however, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, if you think about it, our bodies are going to die. But our souls are going to live eternally, either in heaven or hell. Um, if we repent from our sins and treasure Jesus and love him, believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead for our sins in our place then we'll be in heaven. If we deny him, then we won't. We'll be in hell. Either way, our souls live forever. Um, our food for our souls is God's word, the Bible. We can't live by bread alone. So if you think about it, since our souls are so much more important than our bodies, our souls should be fed more than our bodies are, I think. Um, so... That, I mean, to say all that, I'm just saying, like, it's really important. It's critical. We have to read it because we can't live by food and sustenance on its own. We, ha we live by God's word. Our souls do. Anyways, if we don't read our Bibles, then we're malnourishing our spirit. Um, practically speaking, for me, I always set, try to set aside time in the morning. Um, I try to get up like an hour or an hour and a half before I have to go anywhere so that I can have enough time to not worry about time. Um, I give myself enough time to not be concerned that I'm going to run out of it. Um, so I give myself time to pray, I give myself time to read, and yeah, um, I'd be willing to talk more about how I do it exactly after. 
carry a Bible with you. So how many of us have a Bible in our backpack or have, keep it with you. I know we have them on our phone, so an app that helps us with our Bible reading plan. Carry a Bible in your backpack, in your bag, whatever you've got. And when you sit down and you've got some time, open it up. That I would love to share too about the morning routine and that's really something important to me. But if I could leave you with one thought with this, I would just say when it comes to our daily connecting with the Lord, focus on love, but give yourself grace. Okay. I think the relationship that you have with someone, maybe that's a parent or a brother or sister, or, you know, I think about my relationship with, with Kate. If I go, if, if I focus on love and she knows that I love her, but I also give myself grace, there are seasons when it's hard to communicate. It's harder than other seasons. Maybe I'm working a long stretch and it's just, I may just be able to send a text here or there, a quick call. But that, those points of contact are very important. And the same goes for our relationship with the Lord. When, we foc- when we're focused on love, those points of contact, we'll take advantage of those and we'll connect with, with him at the opportunities we get. But it may not be as much as when you know, I'm off for a, a stretch uh, and I have more time that I can spend at the house or more time I can spend um, with the Lord. So give yourself grace. It doesn't have to be a specific amount of time every single day. It, it doesn't have to. I believe it should be every day because if I went days without talking to my wife, she'd start to wonder, well, where is he? And so <laughs> the same goes with my relationship with the Lord, right? Um, if I go days without talking to the Lord, you know, what happened to Jay? So uh, that's the way kind of I want you guys to think about it. I want me to think about it that way. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to say one more thing. Um, what we've been talking about is how to add this to our day, and that's a big deal. Uh, our days get busy. And if we're not careful, sometimes we put things into our day that doesn't necessarily need to be in our day. Here's how I say it. I can't be good at everything. I've got a limited amount of time. So if I'm looking at my schedule and I'm seeing that it is way too packed with stuff, part of the question is what am I taking off of my plate? What, what responsibilities? Maybe I don't need that on there so that I can have more time for this. Um, yeah, I, there's a reason why I don't play golf. Too much time, too much money. Uh, I'd rather spend that time in the Word. I'd rather spend it with my family. So you can't be good at everything. You can't do everything. This is going to be our last question. I'm going to attempt to, um, oh, I just got another one came in. Hold on. Let me read this one. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm going to try to kind of group a few of them together. So if I need to kind of restate it after it comes out of my mouth the first time, that's definitely a possibility. Okay. Um, So the first question is, like, how do we choose between two or more things, paths, or choices? And what I kind of want to hit also is this other person said, like, how do I know the difference between what God wants for me and what I want? So, like, when I'm thinking about what I should do, like, how do I make those choices and how do I discern whether it's something that I want to do or if it's something that God wants to do through me? 
about this recently. I took my son Micah to the pottery place. Micah is a lot like me. He's very analytical, so here he's staring at a hundred different options, and I'm like, Micah, just pick something, man. You know, you just, and so I think that sometimes I have approached life like that, too. There is a reason that we love something, okay, and it is, if it's not a sin issue, it may very well be that that is the way God has wired you, and there isn't anything wrong with pursuing that. So Micah loves dinosaurs, so I coerced him to get a dinosaur to make his pottery out of, um, because that's what he loves to do. Now, if God has a different, or if I say, man, that dinosaur is $100, we can't do that, and I need to redirect him in a certain way to find something else, I can do that, and God can do that too in our lives. He can reorient us to different choices, but I, I want you to know that Maybe the thing that you love is, is as long as it's surrendered to him and you, it's, it's there for him, that it may just be the way he's wired you. And that's, that's good. That's okay. I don't want to get too philosophical or too weird with it. Maybe is the right word. Um, in Galatians, Paul says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that's... Primarily, I know it's talking about freedom from the law. We can't fulfill it. Jesus did. We're set free to live a life that honors and glorifies him. And I think that falls into our decision making. And, and like you said, whether we eat, sleep, whether we eat, drink, whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. So I think for us to realize that if we've got two choices, both honoring God there's, there's no sin, there's no command that's being broken. I think God's given us the freedom to live a life that honors Him and that brings joy to us. Um, don't, don't feel bound up. Go live life and enjoy being free in Christ to do what He's calling you to do and, and what you enjoy doing. And that's not me-centered. I'm not trying to make it like, oh, just be happy. That's not the point. But um, God's wired us a certain way. Like dinosaurs. Man, just go do it. Go paint dinosaurs. All right. There was one last question that came in, and I just want to briefly touch on it before we pray and wrap up and Dustin comes back up. Um, the last question that came in was, the biggest lie I feel like I fight while trying to follow my calling is, compared to all these awesome people in my life that seem to be so much more spiritually mature and disciplined, is how it is possible that God can use me. Um, so I just wanted to speak to this because I feel like I could have sat down and written this question myself. Um, just... First, I just want to say, like, comparison, I know we say this so much, but comparison is the thief of joy, and the Lord is working in you, and you are living out your specific calling, and it is unique to you, and it is not what everyone else is doing, um, and so just know that, like, everyone else that you're seeing and thinking are awesome and are, like, so spiritually mature, like, they are struggling with things, too. Um, and so just know, like, living out your calling um, is not to be compared with those around you. Um, and the Lord is using you um, in ways that you don't, you maybe don't even know. Um, and so just 
don't compare yourself to other people's callings because the Lord is using each of our giftings um, and each of our personalities in different ways um, to live out that CGN calling in our lives. Um, so do any of you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap up in prayer? All right, well, let's pray together, guys. Father, we just thank you so, so much um, just for panel night, fall 2022. Um, God, this was such a sweet time to just sit and just to really um, think about and consider um, the calling that you've placed on each and every one of our lives, Lord. Um, just to hear from each of our panelists, Lord, just how you've specifically worked in their lives and how um, maybe some of the things that you have taught them that they shared with us tonight um, can just be so applicable to us um, and just how we're working out our calling um, in our own lives, Lord. I just pray that if there is anybody here, um, God, that is maybe not even living out that um, primary calling, Lord, that they have not yet surrendered to you, that tonight would be the night that they would step into that calling in their lives. Um, God, um, Eric mentioned just how short life is, um, how urgent that decision can be, Lord. And I just pray that decisions would be made tonight if that's a need. God, and then for our um, CGN calling um, in our lives, I would just pray that you would give direction in this room tonight. I know that there have to be people who are wondering um, what next steps they need to take to just be obedient to you, Lord. Um, I just pray that you would just um, move your spirit in our hearts, God, that you would stir up our affections for you, that you would help us to just seek after you um, with a renewed sense of joy, uh, Lord, that you would just give us the ability to wake up in the morning or to stay up a little later so that we can open up your word, Lord, and just um, invest in our relationship with you. Um, God, I ask all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. One last thing. One, I'm sorry. This is a really important note. I want you to know that maybe somebody in this room feels like, man, I've sinned, I've blown it, I've disqualified myself. I'm going to tell you, God is in the redemptive business, okay? And God can redeem any past sin, any past struggle or failure. You have not done anything that God cannot redeem and turn for his good. I just want to make sure that 